Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 283. And I am here alongside virtually my awesome co-host, Amanda Powell. Amanda, how are you? doing well as usual, Ralph. How are you doing? Good, good. We've got a real treat here today because we've got a guest that's coming back for the second time and going to be talking about one of our favorite subjects and a really interesting take on how to do not only avatar development and research, but how to really scale up your ad spend. If you're talking about paid advertising here specifically, how to really scale. And it's not the thing that you think it is. It's not just adding budget. Yes, adding budget does help scale. But at the end of the day, it's finding out pockets of your market where you can go out and reach new audiences and continue to expand and scale your business. And today we're going to be talking with Nahal Kazim from AdPros, founder and CEO of AdPros. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic or welcome back to Perpetual Traffic. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you having me back. Yeah. So I, I think this is something that people... They, they give it some lip service, I think, at the very least. And at the very most, they do an okay job of it. And you, like we do here at Tier 11, we look at a lot of ad accounts every single week. And this is the area where we really feel like scale is possible if you have a process in place. Uh, you've got a really interesting process of how to actually pull out new avatars, new messaging, and how that resonates with new markets to scale and grow your customers. And you know, for those of you who are listening here today that are maybe new to Facebook ads or new to paid media, you don't have to do everything here. I think you know we talked about this before we hit record. What's the the opposite of what we're doing here is is really is doing nothing. It's just sort of taking a guess. You know, on your avatar, you know, if you're selling a supplement, I'm like, all right, what's well, a mom? She's 35 to 45 years old. She's got two kids. This is a lot deeper than that. I think there is that level of avatar research that a lot of people think they do. But if you can go just a little bit deeper, a few levels deeper, maybe not to the degree that Nahal does here, I think you'll find that you will be able to scale and go past like that six figures per month in ad spend, which really seems to be a big barrier for people. But it might be from going from $10 a day to $100 a day or $100 a day to $1,000 a day. So all these principles that we're going to be talking about here on episode 283 apply to you. It's just a matter of figuring out like what parts you want to integrate into your system or potentially even hire Nahal's company if that is an option. <laughs> so why don't we get right into it? Can you sort of give us an example or, or a, a little bit of an idea as to what the process is like, but maybe how you came to it and you know where you sort of see this whole thing going. I started doing Facebook ads in 2013. So what was important 
six, seven years ago versus what's important now is very different. And even what we were doing a year ago on what we were focusing on in an ad account is dramatically different. Mm -hmm. And the reason, you know, we, we started talking about this where the focus of creative is not because you and I or anyone like listening to this loves creatives. It's because it ends up working. That mm-hmm. becomes such a big scaling lever. So for us, we b- believe in two types of levers. There's scaling levers, stuff that actually allows you to scale and grow and generate more revenue. But then there's the other side, which is profit levers. And so depending on what's important to you and which lever is important to you based off of your goals and your business, that dictates where you actually focus. And if right now, you know, if you're not deciding which levers or which areas to focus on, therefore you're not pulling any levers in your business. And that's why there is no breakthrough. That's why revenue is flat or volatile because it's just, there's nothing to actually focus on. And the reason we're focusing on avatars and, you know, creative so much is because once you max out all the ninja quote unquote stuff on the Facebook ad optimization side, then you're like, all right, what else can I do? And, you know, for us, once we are doing the same types of campaign setups and different variations and, you know, ways to set up everything on the Facebook ad side, you eventually run out of cool ninja stuff. There's not more. And that hack is going to last a week or two weeks and then it dies and then you have to start again. And so what are the actual sustainable systems that are going to help you grow over and over again? And that's why we've developed all of this stuff because our mindset is how do we take companies who are doing six figures a month in revenue to seven figures a month? And we've done that this year now four times for a relatively small like uh, client roster. And that's because we're, we're not guessing or you know just trying our luck. It's we're working on systems to actually do it over and over again. And this really is like the ultimate hack. Even though it's the <laughs> hack that takes a lot of time, <laughs> it's not like this little technique that you learn in a Facebook group and say, oh, now that's <laughs> going to be the thing. I think we're kind of beyond that. There are still going to be hacks and there's going to be those groups and I get it. And you know, yep. we're, you're always going to be testing those things, but this is really the big lever. I mean, this yep. is the the little hinge, which is a lot of work. Let's not kid ourselves here. That really does you know, swing the big door. Yeah. So uh, how do you go about doing it? And what's yeah. your process? Maybe just give us a, an overview of the whole system. The first place that we start is what are all the avatars that you have in your business? And this is really important because most people don't outline them. They have chosen one by default or chosen one a year or two ago. And it's like, that is our avatar and that's it. And so we've worked in the crochet space, for example, and the stereotypical crochet audience might be the older lady who just knits, you know, or does crochet. But once you actually challenge that assumption, we were able to spend a you know, significant amount of money on an actual giveaway campaign. And it was primarily women who were 25 to 45 years old. And so if you don't change or challenge the assumptions that you have, that's, that's a big you know, barrier because you don't know what you don't know. You're not actually, actually exploring that. And so for us, an example is we have a client in the children's supplement space. And with that type of audience or with that type of product, there's actually a series of avatars in that space. There is number one, the avatar who is the soon-to-be mom. And so that's one type of avatar. Then it's the new mom who just had the baby less than one year. Then there's the mom who might be from one to four years. And that mom is very different from the other two moms. Then the mom who's four to eight years old. And then there's the dad. In our marketing, once you have those in place, we know we're not going to market to the dad. Dad doesn't care. 
He just <laughs> defers to mom, right? So that's, that's what we learned, at least for this specific case. Then we realized that the older the children are, the less irrational the, the actual buying behavior is. It's more logical. There's a lot more research that gets done. They're not in that you know phase where everything looks amazing and they're just stocking up on every single product that they possibly can. They're not <laughs> nesting, right? Like they, they're actually doing a lot of research. And yeah. so what we decided was the two avatars that actually make the most amount of sense for this audience is the soon-to-be mom because they're buying everything and anything under the sun. And then the, the brand new mom who just has, has their child and they're in protector mode. They're in like, I will do whatever I can for my child. And so their money is not, a, is not an object, you know, for them, relatively speaking. And so the reason we got to those is because of two very important questions people don't ask. And those two questions are, which avatar out of the you know, two to five, whatever number of avatars you define, what is the avatar that has the highest average order value on the first transaction? Mm. And then this, the second question is, which avatar has the highest lifetime value of th- those the avatars that you've defined? And that's how we got to the person, the mom, the soon-to-be mom is going to spend a lot of money. So is the brand new mom, as well as because we have products up to, for children up to eight, that same mom is most likely going to spend the most amount of money for once they're actually in that ecosystem. What's really interesting about this is that I'm assuming that you had to test and run all of these different audiences in order to get to the point that that you knew exactly which two you have. And even at Digital Marketer, as recently as two or three months ago, we had to, Ryan actually made us step back and do the same thing of we had an avatar that we've been using for years and years. And we had to take a step back and be like, okay, it's not just one avatar. What do all of, you know, six, seven or eight avatars look like? And we had our current media buyer, Garrett in the room with us. And once we had built, gone through all of them, we started talking through exactly very similar to your process in terms of let's run all of these and then see which one works. And he took just a big sigh of relief. Oh, thank God. Because, right. <laughs> you know, he was just running the same avatar over and over again. And there was no option for variation to even figure out what worked. But then, you know, once you kind of take a step back and go all of these different audiences could work for this particular product, which one is actually going to convert the best is really where it seems the golden ticket is. Yeah. And from that, you know, for people who have a relatively small budget, you just have to make a higher quality guess. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to make an educated guess based off of logic and based off of experience in your business. Like we didn't have to test in order to know that dads aren't it. So we just knew that based off of performance, based off of the market, based off of just having running, run the business for, for the, and for the specific client. And from there, we started doing the actual analysis and then we started directly to the soon to be mom as well as a new mom. And then we defined offers that would allow to maximize AOV and then that path after would maximize LTV. So all that data, so those five gradients of individual avatars force ranked (laughs) by like high AOV, high LTV, was that done prior to running ads, you going into their CRM and figuring this out, Google Analytics, like how, how was the process actually done from your perspective? 
It sounds like a very romantic idea. You have to just guess. Honestly, we've tried all these different types of ways to get that data. There are ways to do it. And we don't know the validity of that data because we spend $1,000 a month on different tools and analysis to, to get that. But we see that based a lot of it especially if, if they don't have a lot of volume, it's based off of a hunch and based off of a gut. You know, it's very difficult for most businesses to calculate real LTV. And that's just the honest answer. You know, we've tried different ways, but at the end of the day, we look at the type of person who's buying and we're able to connect some of those avatars like manually. And we're able to see a lot of that from support tickets. And I think most, the, there's such a disconnection usually from support tickets or mes Facebook messages or private messages to the media buyer. And so we actually read those and figure out where, where that person is and who's, who's the person who's actually reaching out right now. Got it. So when you actually start running ads through your tests, which we'll get into your testing methodology in just a minute. Yeah. Like then you actually see, all right, was I right? Was I yeah, not very right? quickly. In this case, I sort of have to understand. <laughs> yeah. In this case, it did pan out. I, I assume once you started running ads, you're like, all right, soon to be moms, like they might not need as many touch points, but you know, the AOV isn't quite as high as the ones that are maybe kids that are eight years old or maybe early teens, that kind of thing. Yeah. And part of that is defining what's actually important. So you're mm -hmm. not always going to get the the mom or, or the avatar that has both the high AOV and the high a, uh, LTV. And so with one of our clients, what happened is that especially as soon as like the pandemic happened, they were selling pre-workout. And when the actual mm. shutdown happened, there's no gyms to go work out in. Mm -hmm. And so you can't take pre-workout and get really hyped up at home and do nothing. So they had to figure out what can. <laughs> Not a sustainable strategy. Start lifting the couch. Tried it. <laughs> so with them, they created a product in the greens space. And there was all these like greens products coming out very quickly. And they were competing with that audience. But then the person who buys greens doesn't necessarily buy pre-workout after. Mm -hmm. You know, they, because that was optimized for first time AOV and high ROAS, but then they don't, they didn't do anything else after. And this specific brand also launched a, a fat burner uh, product and same thing happened or similar thing happened where that first interaction is great. Do they actually end up buying? And right. that becomes the biggest challenge when we're going through this process, because there is like a first order and second order consequence of what happens when you make a massive change on the type of person you're attracting, the messaging you're attracting them with, and the offer you're attracting them with. Because now the ecosystem and like the people who are in there on people who see the ad, people who click, people who are vending cart, people who are on your email list, and the customers now, anything else that happens after that, not mentioning Facebook ads, will change because of who you've been attracting over the last 30, 90 days. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, 
my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, maybe let's get into the the avatar development process and then get yeah. into some of the messaging and then further on down the line, how you test all this stuff and how you read all the data. Yeah. So the, the first part was like, okay, what are the actual avatars that you have? And that exercise, what I've seen is most people don't do it because there, there's a degree of assumption and or arrogance of, I already know, bro. Like I already know what works. This is the thing that works. Like, I don't want to mess with it. This is from the customer's standpoint back to you. (laughs) Right. Got it. Okay. And even from our perspective, because if it's not broken, then don't fix it, you know? But also if you're talking about how to break through and break records month on month or quarter on quarter, like it's not going to happen with complacency or just like status quo usually. And so that happens with challenging the baseline, challenging the assumptions that you have in the business. It's it's difficult process. And so for us, the, that's the first thing that we do. And there's no wrong answers. There's no judgment. It's just cool. We just need to know the lay of the land. And we might go back to that same avatar anyways, but we need to know what else is out there. So that's, that's number one. Then you ask, what are the avatars based off of that? Who has the highest AOV on the first transaction? Who has the highest LTVs? And you can do that based off of order. You can say generally there is no crazy intense like math from it because it's very difficult to find those answers. Then usually we choose one avatar. And that's a really important place to start because it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And Honestly, we just took this from digital marketers, avatar development, like the actual Mm -hmm. exercise that they have. And so there's two parts to the actual exercise. There is the demographic side. So who are they? Are they male or female? What what their uh, age is? What's their name that we want to call them internally? All that stuff is accessible for free through you guys. But then also, what is the psychographic side? And so what are their challenges and goals and values and pain points, et cetera? And that those that's a really good starting point as soon as people see that they usually check out and they're mm-hmm. like that's just too much work or i already know that mm-hmm. again it goes back to the assumption but you might know that as a business owner or you might know that as a media buyer but do the other five people or if you do have many people in the marketing part of your business do they know that or if there's even one more person as a business owner you might know that but the media buyer might not be that clear yeah and we found that even by going through this exercise with our team, we found that even when people think it's it's kind of, oh, we know we know who the avatar is, when we start going through these different avatars, we start finding like interest-based audiences for our media buyers. So the whole activity in general actually ended up being used for targeting based on what books we said they were reading or what events we said they were attending or what podcasts we said they listened to. Some of our ads currently are interest-based and 
Is that part of your process? Do you end up using these avatar worksheets as part of your targeting as well? That's part of it. But mm-hmm. what we've noticed because of Facebook, especially if you start spending more, the wider the audience, Facebook finds those audiences for you. Mm-hmm. And we use um, audience insights to actually connect them based off of affinity. And so we only use the, the avatar side for very specific low or small audience testing in order to have some sort of breakthrough, whether we're testing the actual creative or copy or offer. And then you know, we, we go from there because our audiences used to be so small in the mm-hmm. past, but now just the dynamic of Facebook advertising is changing. So it helps, but you know, we we have no connection to the the actual audiences that we use. We have no attachment to interest or lookalike audiences. Uh, a lot of media buyers fall in love with their lookalike audience or a specific lookalike audiences. Yeah. But it, like, and they want to be loyal to it. This used to work for me for three weeks, for a month. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Did I do something wrong? It's, no, no. This is not a relationship. This is just an option in a Facebook ads yeah. ads manager. And that's, Time to break up with that girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. I mean, you're not married to anything on Facebook. I'm married to one person. That's it. Like (laughs) all my other commitments are wide open. Break it. You know, if it's working, run it as far as you possibly can. But then at a certain point, we all know this as media buyers and even with SEO, the Google algorithm on Amanda's side, like (laughs) what works today is not necessarily going to be the thing that works three weeks from now, let Mm -hmm. alone three months from now. Yep. So, I mean, with this avatar, you you know, you you do the the worksheet and you use the most obvious one first, yes. which is sort of research. But after that one, like, how do you go about outside of that obvious one? Yeah, so that's a good question. So we have a one of our clients has a different type of supplement for children. It's also for adults, and mm-hmm. for them, they have two core products. There's the children's supplement and the adult supplement. So for that it was very natural because what happened was we are marketing to moms with hyperactive children. And then the other side of that was the adults who is also feels the same challenges, you know, and goes through mm-hmm. the same thing. And our dream avatar was actually the mom who has the hyperactive child, but also wants to take it herself with the adult dosage. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the actual, you know, perfect situation because their AOV and LTV and consumption of the product is through the roof. Mm -hmm. And so we found those, but it's it's a bit trickier. So what we did was we found, you know, from a creative standpoint, this is the thing that most people take for granted, especially when they're starting out, is there's a lot of work on the Facebook ad side or creative side or funnel and email. There's just like what we need to do something to make money. And great. Once you get past that level, then what's going to happen is you're going to keep doing things over and over again, and you're not going to see results change. And so the only solution is to keep doing activities to get to the breakthrough. And so for us, we we launched for this specific brand, we launched the same creative in a bunch of different ways, but nothing was breaking. You know, we weren't having that creative breakthrough or the performance breakthrough. And then randomly, we got three video testimonials from children that increased our ROAS so dramatically and it changed the uh, complete you know, trajectory of the business. Uh, and that was right during you know, two months, three months after like, the actual shutdown. And that was tr- directly correlated to the actual creatives. And so from that transition, we were able, from, from what you asked, Ralph, is you know, we really try to figure out one avatar 
to get it working. We took that company from 40,000 a month to 400,000 a month. Then we actually, that, that took about 12 months. Then we started at doing the actual second avatar. That's how long we really waited until we, we cracked the second avatar because we couldn't. Every time we tried to do the second avatar, it wasn't sustainable or it was working for less than a month. And so it's, it's, it takes time. It really does. Did you find that the that the moms resonated more when they saw the like a child testimonial? Like that's really yeah, that's thinking outside the box. Exactly. Because obviously they're not the ones you're technically selling to, but that's yeah. how you targeted uh, that specific avatar. Is that how it worked? Yeah. So that's the the way it came, you know, the way it actually happened was that when we ran the creatives, we had into three individual videos. So we did individually one ad at a time. And then we did compilations of all three testimonials. And you can't fake a child testimonial. You know, (laughs) the innocence in that video or from that child or explaining how they're feeling or the lack of eye contact or the stutters, Mm -hmm. like it's 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 impossible. Mm -hmm. So a parent can tell is that scripted or not. Mm -hmm. And some children are like shining and, and, you know, they're super bright and they're just like telling you what they feel. And the other ones are like kind of timid and like looking down and not making eye contact with the Ah. camera and mumbling a little bit. And and that's the thing that worked, you know? And so we don't know what's going to work. We took those same three testimonials. Like I mentioned, we tried them individually. We tried them in compilations. We tried them in a square format where we could have all three kids at the same time and one appearing at a time. We tried them in like a slideshow format. Then we put the same testimonial, but we put a stock video or stock photo in, in front, but we showed like a cart, uh, like a letter being written and we use the same audio from it. So we tried that and that worked very well for a little bit. Basically, if one thing works, how can, how can you keep you utilizing that? Exactly. Splintering it and using it and repurposing it until it doesn't work anymore. And while we're doing all of that, we're waiting for the next testimonial. I mean, that is messaging to a certain degree. I mean, obviously testimonials are really powerful, you know, speaking to the quality of the product, what the product actually produces, like after state, Let's talk maybe about how you go through your research for messaging, like what to put in front of that yeah. avatar that we've now sort of figured out that one avatar yeah. and run that one into the ground as much as we possibly can, or at least <laughs> as you know, much as we scale can, yeah. it out as much as you can. But the messaging itself, you've got a pretty complex process for figuring that out. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's the most nonlinear process because there's no fast path to it because you have to explore and this is the thing like we're super proud of because we're naturally curious. Like we, we have products that we want to get out in the world and we want to make sure that the right people are buying it. And the, the, usually the clients and the customer service people are so passionate about responding to customers and prospects about each, each supplement or each, you know, whatever that we're selling, it's contagious. So the way that we actually find messaging is the thing that most people don't want to do, which is scour through Facebook messages, scour through support tickets, do like conversations with the support staff internally in a team or anyone who's handling the customer service. Look at Facebook comments, like all of this, like you're not going to go to one Facebook thread or one ad and just get a couple of comments and be like, oh, I got it. No, it rarely works like that. And so the way that we do it, it's again, for someone who's starting, like you can do this at different levels. So the first level that you can start with is with digital marketers, like the avatar sheet that they have, because it's a phenomenal place to start. If you aren't going to do that, 
it's very difficult to do all the rest of the things that we're going to talk about today because it's a foundation. It's the mm-hmm. demographic of who that person is and psychographic of what, how that person behaves. And, you know, we discuss like challenges and goals and pain points. And as you discuss those internally, you'll know that whether you're actually on the right path or not, or other people on the, on your team will challenge you um, and say, I don't know if I agree with that or if that's right. So it's deep dive research. It, it really is. And so what we're doing is, again, the places that we're looking are Facebook comments. There's Facebook uh, private messages, any kind of customer service or support ticket information that we can get, actual one-on-one calls with the people on the team responding to customers because they have such a strong gut of what and a pulse of what's actually going on. It's way better than ours as the person in the ad account. You know, and then the extreme of that, or the the best one, honestly, is actual one-on-one conversations with customers. And as a media buyer, it's a little bit tricky sometimes, but we've done those, and and they're very, very valuable. Well, I think if you're doing that at a at a basic level, I mean, I think any one of those three or four things that you mentioned, like you're probably doing more than ninety nine percent of marketers. I yeah, think it's probably <laughs> safe to say. So, I mean, yeah. that's a you know, you might go even deeper for for your process, but I mean. If, Did you know companies that blog consistently receive 67% more leads than those that don't? Now, that feels obvious, right, when you hear it, but it's still a really surprising statistic. Consistent blogging is so important to growing a business, but who has the time to research keywords, come up with topics, write content? It's a nightmare. BKA Content, a content writing agency with 10 years of experience, offers monthly SEO blog writing service where they'll do it all for you. All of your monthly blog posts delivered directly to your inbox 100% ready to publish. Go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. If you're not A-B testing on your site and doing optimization experiments, you're leaving serious money on the table. Not only can it keep your business from growing, it gives your competition an edge over you. Luckily, our friends at Conversion Fanatics have run thousands of conversion rate optimization experiments every year for clients like Clorox, Burt's Bees, Dr. Axe, Magnolia, ClickFunnels, and many more. They optimize your site for you so you can get more customers, scale your traffic faster, and see more profit to your bottom line. If you're interested in how you can optimize your website, you can get their number one Amazon bestseller for free by going to conversionfanatics.com forward slash free book. That's conversionfanatics.com forward slash F-R-E-E-B-O-O-K. Go download it today so you can learn how to double your customers, sales, and profits with A-B testing. If you're listening to this episode, like, how can I actually do this? Research sucks because it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Some people actually enjoy doing it. We For actually sure. have staff on our on Tier 11 that actually loves doing this sort of stuff. Point yeah. is, it, it does take time in order for it to really work. And, you know, the example that, you know, we always use is that, you know, when, when David Ogilvy won the Mercedes-Benz account, you know, <laughs> way back when, he flew to Stuttgart, Germany, where they make Mercedes-Benz and spent three weeks there like doing his research and talking to people, talking to engineers, talking to customer service, talking to all these. It's a cumbersome process. It's a big process. You don't necessarily have to fly to Stuttgart necessarily. (laughs) But if you're doing something that's more than basically nothing or taking a guess, you're on the right path here. Yeah. And you just have to start, right? And so there's always like people 
are looking for some crazy hack or like a fast track, or I just want to, you know, just go to Amazon and look at reviews and look at other people's stuff. It's like, Mm -hmm. you have access to your own data. Mm -hmm. And if you're running Facebook advertising, like just open the actual messages section of your page or look at the comment notifications. Like it's not that complicated. And you'll see, we have a product that we were working with a client that was selling a UTI supplement on Facebook. I don't know anything about that thankfully. And so with, with that product, like I had to do my research and then the copywriter on, on our team is, is a female. And so she schooled me and educated me on how to actually understand and be empathetic to that audience because I needed to understand. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she took the leadership on the actual development side and coordination of assets because she's the expert or, you know, from a copywriting standpoint, as well as be uh, able to empathize with that situation. And so I think if you choose not to even show up or not to look or looking for a shortcut, like this is, that's not going to work for avatar development. And it doesn't work really for any other media buying element either. It's not a glamorous hack, but it is the hack of all hacks. Really. <laughs> it's so high leverage because <laughs> People will tell you exactly what to write in your ad if you look. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is look and spend the time to do it. Yep. You know, not necessarily, you know, length, like weeks at a time, but I mean, just doing the research as opposed to sort of a cursory glance, which is, I think, where most people go wrong. So let's take it to the next step. So now you have your messaging, you've got sort of an idea, you've got your avatar, right? I'm going to have these sort of creative kind of briefs in my head of what potentially could work. Yeah. What's the next step for you guys? The next step for us is we look at dream outcomes and nightmare outcomes. And so basically for us, that means dreams and nightmares, right? So what is their dream or like the actual most pleasurable thing that can happen for them? Taking the supplement, buying a piece of furniture, buying an information product, buying a service, whatever the thing is, what is the dream outcome that they want? And then what is the worst case scenario? For them. And the reality is most people are, you know, there's either pain or pleasure. So are you motivated by pain or, or pleasure for that specific avatar? And unfortunately, the way how humans are built and designed and work are they're focused on the pain mm-hmm. and they, they want to step away from the pain. So they focus on the pain and rarely is pleasure the motivating factor. And so we focus on what are the nightmares for them. And usually the, the pessimistic or the negative side is usually a lot easier to write out for some reason, instead of the, the you know, dream side or the positive side. And the hard part is how do you make the positive side you know, juicy? How do you make it enticing? How do you make it exciting for them to actually feel that emotion or feel that outcome. And the nightmare side is usually a lot easier of they don't want to look, you know, have love handles or they don't want to feel bad when their child or, you know, throws a temper tantrum at the mall or whatever the the actual case is, because usually the nightmares are so by default painful and they're usually very emotionally charged. Whereas the dreams or the positive outcomes not aren't always. We've tested this as well in our ads and we've always found the exact same where when we start with, this is the negative outcome, this is what you're feeling right now. It always performs better than if we start with things are going great or if yeah. we're like going with a more positive. I don't know why it is the human nature to go with the more negative are more attracted to the negative than we are to the than we are to the positive. And then do you use these dreams like the dreams and the nightmares is this what you use to start building out different forms of creative once you've come up with a full list or when do you know are you trying to fit both the dream and the nightmare into your creative or just one? How do you the work? Yeah, so 
these, so the, the next two or three tools, including this one, is basically just exploring the psyche and exploring the mindset of this okay. person. Because what happens is that we make a lot of assumptions. And a lot of the times, even the foundational sheet, the, the worksheet for the avatar from a demographic and psychographic standpoint, a lot of the time is wrong. We just make a lot of assumptions. So now if you make assumptions on assumptions on assumptions, like there's going to be a broken telephone or broken connection <laughs> there some way, somehow. And so what we're doing, like there's no actual direct purpose of the dreams and nightmares mm-hmm. part of it. We need to understand and explore who they are. It's and just starting to learn more about who they are as a person and their like personality. Right. For example, like if I am purchasing like, you know, a product, a supplement for a child, or if I'm a soon to be mom and I'm purchasing that supplement, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And going into that place and figuring that out. I, I prefer talking to people and doing that out loud and mm-hmm. especially with another gender or like other in a group environment because mm-hmm. people have different perspectives and they'll challenge you and bring up something that you never thought about or things like that. But with dreams and nightmares, we want to explore who that person is because most likely you're not the avatar. And even if you built your company thinking you're the avatar and you have been in business three, five years, you're not the avatar anymore because you're too close. So you can't think like them anymore. And so the after we have like the foundation of the worksheet, the first thing that we do is dreams and nightmares. Then after that, the second thing that we do is we look at the beliefs that they have. And this is where these are all ongoing systems. And whenever I show this or mention this, like people are, are get a bit nervous or, oh, this is so much work or I don't know some of these answers. That's okay. We mm-hmm. always do our first draft just so that we can get something out because it's mm-hmm. so much easier to come back and and add more. And so, for example, one of the questions we're asking is what are their current beliefs about their problems? And so I'm sure we all have read some sort of blog or ad or listened to a podcast or a video and they explained our problem better than we've ever explained it. (laughs) We're like, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. Like, how did you do that? Because I've immediately connected with what you just said and you've never met me. Mm -hmm. How's that possible? And the reason that's possible is because unfortunately or fortunately, we're not unique. We are human and like we all have similar struggles. And so when we are able to actually isolate and describe a problem better or in a, in a eloquent way that connects with someone, they, you have their attention in order to now read the rest of your description of your ad or look at your creative or look at your headline or actually click. And so we look at what are their current beliefs of their problems? What are their current belief about potential solutions. And, you know, we can go through different questions here, but the main element is, or the main, you know, approach that we're taking is if I understand one of their beliefs, it doesn't change anything around copy right away or the creative right away. I need to get a full understanding of who that avatar is so I can better connect with them. And so all of the, all these, this exercise does is expand our you know, our mind and also figure out how to connect and empathize with that person with how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's more of a process to get into the mindset of the yeah. avatar prior to writing the actual copy or doing the creative from what it sounds like. Yeah. So we did this process for an alternative uh, hospital in Mexico and these people have uh, cancer, you know, and they have been told by the U.S. Uh, healthcare system that the uh, the reality is you you're going to die this is your timeline and that's it and so they come to this alternative hospital for al- this uh, alternative treatment and we're doing the avatar development 
recruitment process and you know our team is in tears like it's painful if you're when you're able to really connect like it hurts man or it feels amazing like you feel all of it and Mm -hmm. that takes reps that takes practice but also if you're not feeling that then you're probably not in the right headspace that your avatar is yeah so you're not going to resonate or you know get anyone to move to the next step if you're not really in the mindset of of a customer. Yeah. As as cliche like as it sounds, but once you're like in it, then you understand, oh, I understand you completely now. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly the pain that you feel as a mom who is like searching all this stuff online, has no idea how to make a decision. This is the healthiest decision, the best decision because one, two, and three. But mm-hmm. you trust them because of the way they explain the problem. And this helps you write empathetic copy and and creative at the same time, which is really sort of like empathy is a, you can use it for good or bad here. Obviously (laughs) we're using it to sell product, which a product, which is going to be a solution to a problem, obviously. But the point is, is like writing with empathy is so vitally important. Mm -hmm. Tapping into these beliefs sort of behind how they sort of think about themselves is really getting to the core of who that person is. And that's when an ad really starts to resonate. And this is why this is like such a a big hack, but at the same time, it takes so much time to actually get here, which is once you're able to write this copy that connects emotionally to their core, to their soul, however you resonate with that, then that has a massive impact, way bigger than just choosing another interest or a lookalike audience in Facebook ads. Yeah, 100%. So beliefs after dreams and nightmares, then what's the next step? So just to make sure everyone's following. So the first thing that we did was we looked at all the different types of avatars you can have. We chose Mm -hmm. one after looking at AOV and LTV, average order value and lifetime value. Mm -hmm. Then we made an assumption of, okay, here's the one that is our best guess of what the best avatar we should market to. Mm -hmm. From there, now we started looking at what their dreams and nightmare is. Mm -hmm. And already look at how much clearer you're going to be about who you're marketing to because you said, here's all the people I can market to. I'm going to ignore the other four avatars or whatever. I'm going to focus on this one. Then I figured out who that specific avatar is. And from a demographic and psychographic standpoint, now you move and graduate to the next step, which is their dreams and nightmares. Once you have that, then what we just talked about is what do they believe in? And you can look at a lot of different questions on beliefs, but the whole point is who is that person in as much of the different perspectives and degrees of to that person that you can understand. And then we get to the next step, which is personally my favorite, because this is the thing that once you're able to connect this or really understand this, like the other two on dreams and nightmares, as well as beliefs, even if you throw that out completely and don't want to do that, if you just do this part, this is amazing because it's called the emotion wheel. And what it is, is core emotions that humans feel as a primary emotion and secondary tertiary emotions. So you can search emotion wheel online and you'll see that there's, you know, six to seven core emotions, depending on who you're studying. And so for example, just a product on for the mom who has a child with, you know, hyperactivity or is agitated, that mom might be one of the core emotions is anger. So that mom will be angry. Angry as a standalone emotion doesn't really mean much, right? But if they feel ridiculed because they are as a tertiary emotion or secondary emotion, because they're at the mall or because they're at a parent teacher meeting and their child doesn't behave while all the other children are sitting or they feel jealous because now all the other kids are fine. Why is it that my child isn't? Is it my kid? Is it me? I feel 
jealous or humiliated or, you know, just looking at core emotions and expanding them to secondary tertiary emotions like the emotion wheel shows, that is such a massive game changer for us that it allowed us to take an avatar, take them through a few different emotions and explore who they are because we don't know all the emotions. Like it's very hard to, as a human, to feel the whole you know, spectrum of emotions, that's a skill. And so this tool allows us to do that, you know, vicariously through uh, a graphic that turns just an avatar to the emotion that allows us to write really, really good copy. And we haven't even written any copy. We haven't written any copy yet. (laughs) We're in step four, if I'm counting correctly here. So Maybe we get over to that actual step. So this is all the research is sort of done ahead of time. It's almost like the iceberg in the water. Mm-hmm. What you see is the ad, but there's a whole lot that went into that ad, yeah. especially a really winning ad. Exactly. And we were looking at the stuff that's sort of below the surface here. So let's get into how do you use all this to write compelling copy? Okay. So once we have, again, we, we're talking about all these steps. What Where we really start is we take the emotion wheel and we put that into copy. And so there's many different ways to do this, but the easiest, most direct way is even if you don't do any of the avatar work, Google emotion wheel, choose an emotion that you, you think you resonate with, that your, your audience or that specific avatar you've chosen with that resonates with that emotion and start writing just the overall theme of that specific ad. So the example that I was giving was the supplement for hyperactive kids. And so the we chose, like I just chose right now, basically two to three different emotions. So they might feel uh, jealous. They might feel humiliated. They might feel uh, numb because their child is so hyperactive all the time or has these reactions that they just don't know how to react themselves. And so you can take these emotions and start writing for example, with jealous. And so the jealous situation might be all the other kids are calm and quiet. Mine isn't. All the other mm-hmm. kids are uh, well-behaved, but for some reason, like I feel I'm a mom that has failed a- as a mother. Did I do something during the pregnancy stage or that actually is leading to this? Or another part could be, you know, from all the copy that we've written, a lot of it is, is they feel helpless. And so we can, you'll start writing one copy or one piece of copy and it will go to a completely different emotion. And that might be better than your original one. And so the purpose of all of these tools is really expansion. And you'll know if you're listening to this and you've written copy before, mm-hmm. once you find a piece of copy or an angle or a hook for an, a Facebook ad, like you feel it. I, I've got, you know, goosebumps before just like, oh, there's just silence on a group call or they're just right in and we're like, wow, that's crazy. So the, the factor of that, you ha- obviously have to test, but you know, in, in terms of actually writing copy, and if you're not going to do any of this work, start with the emotion wheel, start with the core emotion you want to start, you know, the, the core emotion to, to actually start this process with, even choose one, the secondary or tertiary emotion. Once you Google this, you'll see what, it, what that looks like and then start writing bullet points for that. That's where we start. So this is like the core of your copy for each of the ads. And then, so you write on, do you pick, here's my question. So you pick one core emotion at the center of your emotion wheel and then expand out into 
the different derivatives of that emotion? Or do you pick like multiple core emotions and then try to do one or two derivatives of each of those emotions? Yeah. So we have our actual process is way more complex, but the starter version is basically choose a primary, choose secondary or tertiary, start writing bullet points, and then just go with the flow and start actually testing stuff. The way that we look at it is we actually look at all the different types of emotions that you can feel, primary, secondary, and then how do we connect that to actual outcomes? Because, okay. because the part is you can feel one specific emotion, but it's usually you feel that emotion. But is that because you're seeking pain or pleasure, basically? Mm-hmm. You know, or seeking like seeking pleasure or like getting away from the, the pain or distancing yourself from the pain. And so what we've seen is that we look at specific emotions and then we just connect them with outcomes. And what that might look like is I want my child to be happy and relaxed. I want them to be mm. successful academically. I want to be a proud parent. I want them to have have the ability to focus on their work and on, on their school. I want them to be accepted. Those are outcomes for this specific avatar that that's what the mom wants to feel. If you connect that to a specific emotion, and we, we were just talking about anger, but that happy emotion might lead to, uh, I'm proud of myself as a mom mother, as well as my child of the progress he or she has made because mm-hmm. of uh, the work that we're doing. And if they can connect that to the supplement, that's the outcome that we want. Absolutely. So on this matrix, as we're looking at it here, there's really yeah. there's benefits of the product potentially on the left-hand side, but yeah. a little bit deeper than that. We're not talking about like features specifically. We're really <laughs> talking about what that benefit is to the mom and then mm-hmm. pairing that yeah. with either a primary, secondary, or, or tertiary emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And once you actually look at the emotion wheel and you just explore it, you'll realize how many different emotions you're one avatar can feel. Mm -hmm. And you'll also realize you can completely ignore a lot of emotions because they just don't feel them completely, or it's not a factor to their buying decision. Sounds like it's almost the wheel actually helps a lot when it comes to copy and probably for your copywriters, because it sounds like basically when you find that core emotion or that core feeling you know, for anger, the emotion across from it was like the core emotion was happy. So it's did you find it easier using the wheel because you can connect the outcome more easily to, okay, these are the feelings they'll want to have the outcome they want to have. Cause it's the cross. It's very similar to yeah. design theory almost of the, the cross color is the one that goes better in design. I am mm. not a designer, so I don't know the correct <laughs> terminology, right. but I've seen the wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if anyone, anyone who does Facebook ads and have launched ads, they know that whenever you're too confident about a creative is most likely not going to work. And so, <laughs> and so for us, so we've, true. we've seen that, you know, especially with anger or fear, there's one audience that we're working with for dog owners and that specific product fear is so juicy. It's so delicious. It's, I know it's going to convert. We launched it and we launched, I got too confident and I created a lot of different creatives and copy and all of that all of them bombed. And (laughs) the thing that actually worked is they just wanted to be happy with their dog. And that was, that was it for whatever reason, even though there's, there is a lot of pain and discomfort and Mm -hmm. fear with that process that didn't allow them to convert as well Mm -hmm. as just a feeling of happy does. And so for, for us, we, Make sure, like imagine you're not, you don't have the emotion wheel. You're just operating based off of random benefits or features mm-hmm. or outcomes. This allows you to actually stimulate the copy with mm-hmm. an underlying emotion that allows the 
them to pull out that emotion, uh, actually feel that, and then make a decision or not. And you can isolate it very, very clearly. Yeah, super interesting. Although, you know, loss aversion is the primary motivator. It, it you'd is. be surprised. <laughs> Oftentimes it doesn't work in all cases. And, exactly. and the overconfidence factor is, uh, you know, something that you have to deal with if you're <laughs> going to be writing advertising because this is a humbling game. So you've, you've got the emotion wheel, which is super cool. You've got sort of this matrix of individual messages, then what comes next? Yeah. After that, we have like different selling points we look at. So most people don't write out all the different selling points that they have. And mm-hmm. what, what I mean by that is, again, what we're just trying to do is empower our team with tools to make them smarter and level, level them up because of the environment that they're in, then rely on their talent. That's like the hardest part of anyone who's like trying to accomplish one goal over and over again. You know that the environment makes the the difference or the actual systems and processes do. And that allows smart people to be even smarter, you know? And so for us, the way that we have this broken down is what are all the features that they have? And so for some, it might be very, very few. Like for this specific supplement, they don't actually have that many features, but the benefits and outcomes are significant. We have over 20 or 30 here that we've outlined. Then there might be some random like miscellaneous selling points. And then we look at seasonal selling points. I'm sure there's ways to expand on these, but what we're really looking at is features, outcomes and benefits, any kind of random selling points. So for example, like mentions of the press. For one of our clients, they got mentioned in GQ. We couldn't beat that copy with anything because GQ's said X. And whenever we didn't have that copy, we just, it wouldn't work as well. Things like that. And then for some businesses, season, seasonality is a big deal. And so for this one, it is. So back to school is a big deal. And we actually use back to school copy six months later, even though back to school was not a thing. It, we use that copy so long, we we're back, back, back to school. Back, to, back to school. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's really cool about this process, and I'm assuming this is where the, probably the purpose is that if you take the time to actually go through this process, what it looks like is about to happen. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but anyone can go into where you have doc, you know, documented all of these <laughs> yeah. different, all yeah. of these different aspects of the avatar and start just putting together an ads that will probably work because you Way have quickly. everything like you can just pick out the positive messaging, pick out the negative messaging, pick out the core emotion that they're feeling. And then for lack of a better term, mush it all together. And you have an ad because it's all right there based on prior research that you've done. And if you're doing yeah. this for each of your clients, it's okay. If you know, your media buyer takes a vacation, you don't have yeah. to panic because there's all of these, you know, points and research to back up back up the ads that you need to need to create for a client and you can just uh, pick and choose what you want for whatever piece of creative that you have. Yeah. We look at this as an asset, right? Mm -hmm. And it compounds and grows over time because usually copy is like in random Slack messages and emails and you (laughs) know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And we we do it too. we're, We're not immune to that, but we do our best to put them into documents. We have the actual underlying asset, which is this, this compounds over time when we find cool stuff, the copywriter adds to this. And um, the goal is like, we want to do as much of the hard thinking once and then it builds on top and then it becomes so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such the key to all of this. Like we said before, I mean, this is work. Yes, it's work. You might actually have people on your team that actually enjoy doing this, but it's work that's going to pay dividends 
six to 12 months from now, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how you scale and obviously how the business goes and everything else, considering like this is a big time, you're investing upfront in what could be a very long set of is, yeah. advertising unicorns, which is really what you ultimately want here. Yeah. And the best part is once you have launched a bunch of these, then mm-hmm. you can actually say, we tried the fear thing and we thought it was going to work and do amazing. But one of the angles we were, cha- we were trying was like laws are changing. And so for that specific avatar, that was that's a big deal because like laws are always changing. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so if we, we cho- chose laws are changing, protect your pet. And, you know, we had a few things around that. No one cared. And so huh. when, when we are developing like the next round or we come back to that idea, we already know that might not be the best one to start with right now because we tested all these other things at the same time. We already know what's working and you can piggyback off success instead of guessing what to do next. So Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there's certain we're going to get into the testing methodology here, but you can make assumptions based upon previous data Mm -hmm. as to what message is potentially going to work and what doesn't work based upon your research that you did way up front. So it's just this constant sort of iteration, uh, snowball effect of learning about how do I actually sell this to cold traffic? How do I crack the cold on it? So we're all the way to this point right now. We haven't written any ads yet. What mm. happens next <laughs> in the process? And then even testing. Maybe that's an, obviously that's another step, but sure. tell us what happens next. Yeah. So what happens is most people don't even get to this step because avatar stuff takes too much work. You know, that's like mm-hmm. the underlying approach or the underlying like belief, you know, but the reality is there's fast tracks and there are ways to do the, the quicker way. So what we were mentioning is, you know, the fastest way to start here, fill out the avatar worksheet from digital marketer, then Google the emotion wheel and get choose one emotion that's primary and a couple other emotions that are under that core one and start writing bullet points of the actual copy. And what happens from a copywriting standpoint of like actually writing copy is depending on what you're seeing that's working, whether it's short copy, medium form, that might be like 200 words or something like that. Or, you know, for information products or coaching, you might see 300, 500 words long copy. Put those emotions and those bullet points into that format that's already working. And so we can talk about like copy frameworks or copy like structures, but really the opportunity starts with how do you actually get to the copy part? Because most people are able to write something. They just don't know like why why to write something or what to write. Now that we figured that out, you can take your previous data and say, okay, now I know how to take the, everything I just learned and put it into something that I already have data on. Mm-hmm. Creating like a, it's like you've essentially created like a copy formula that, you know, inserts all of the best parts of the customer avatar, essentially. Yeah, because look at it this way. You hire a copywriter, uh, their responsibility is they're going to look at a lot of different copy or they might look at mm-hmm. some ads libraries and that's it. And they're just going to try to copy them. Mm-hmm. And, but the opportunity here is you look at your avatars, you choose one. From there, you look at who they are demographically, psychographically. Then you look at their emotions. And now that same copywriter is going to perform at such a higher level because you've given them context on how to operate. And people will be able to resonate much more easily with the ads. And you've created a formula where when you're looking at these different core emotions and the copywriter is inputting these into formulas that they know work, 
you can then understand if a piece of the copy isn't working, you can just exactly. insert a different emotion into a copy formula that makes the process infinitely easier. Yeah, which... it builds on itself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about this too, what I'm assuming happens is that as you're learning through these different audiences, you're probably starting to learn through different clients as well. So like you were already saying how it builds on specific audiences for even one client, I'm assuming that when you're taking on different clients who have even similar audiences, you know what will work and what won't work based on what you've already tested. So really these are just assets that are, like Ralph said, you're gonna build on each other yeah. for years to come that you'll be able to have a better understanding more holistically, I guess, of your business, not just for even sure. of specific clients. For sure, because that dictates what kind of products you launch. Mm -hmm. And like if that actual product is going to be a fit for that type of avatar you're attracting. Yep. And um, everything you learn for any product you launch, for any promotion you have, you just have more context. And so all of that helps. Well, this has been tremendous, uh, really. I mean, it's we're it's almost like we need to have another episode on like <laughs> results and yep. the ad copywriting <laughs> and the testing process. But this is just one of those things, and we're we're sounding like a broken record here. This is one of those things that you have to do, and you might not have to do it this way. And we'll leave all the resources here in the show notes for this episode to help you along as much as possible. But if you're doing more than just nothing or taking a guess, you're on the right track. Like we said before, uh, this is obviously a pretty high level process that uh, Nehal has, has engineered here. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you or at least work with you, or maybe they're saying that sounds really good. He really sounds like he knows what he's talking about, but I don't want to do it myself. Yeah. Where can they get in touch with yeah, you? Yeah, the best place is uh, adpros.com. And uh, you can reach out at nehal at adpros.com or, uh, or just uh, reach out on Facebook. Uh, pretty accessible there. The main thing I would say is, you know, people who are listening to this, we talked about all these tools. You don't have to do all of them. You don't have to do all of them once. Choose one and start. And the, it really comes down to what you want. If you want a business that does six figures a year versus six figures a month versus six figures a week, like how you operate is very different. And so the clients that we're working with, they're committed to becoming an eight-figure company. And so that requires a lot of more due diligence and deeper level of, of development. And so that's why we have this. So you're not going to ride one message, one avatar to eight <laughs> figures in sales? What are you talking the hell are you about? Talking? That's crazy talk. The, the other Facebook ad told me that I could do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just let the algorithm do the work. Or let Nahal do the work. Nahal's helped digital marketer on uh, our ads and helped me when I was very much struggling to try to keep things keep things afloat before we hired our new paid media manager. So comes highly recommended on the digital marketer side. I can say that. We're gonna have to do an episode on that to really put Amanda on the spot. Oh God! Yeah. That's awesome. so I don't have to talk my, about my SEO career. Well, saved my butt. Uh, that's all you need to know. <laughs> well, this has been great. Well, for uh, for all the resources and links and URLs that we mentioned here on the show, plus past episodes, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 283. Check out Nehal and his work as well. We'll leave links there, how you can get in contact with him. And this has been tremendous. Thank you so much for coming on Perpetual Traffic this week. And until next week, everyone, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, 
visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.